Let's take it to the edge. Let's get deflected. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives, and this is The Knife Perspective, episode number 044. Are you talking to me? God, that accent sucked. You know, I would say, let's do it again, but you're just going to put that in the outtakes at the end of the episode, so screw it. You talking to me? Oh, that's even worse, man. And you live out there. I'm not Italian, though. I can't do it right. Yeah. So we're going to do some, we're going to do some Q and a, we're going to do some, uh, both some customer and some maker. And for all those people out there thinking maybe they want to get a gift for their, uh, their knife maker, spouse, partner, significant other heterosexual life partner, bro, man, whatever the case may be, we've got some suggestions for you. Yeah, we'll have some links in the uh, the show notes so you guys can send them the page so they can click right to it. Ooh, you're getting fancy. Yeah. Want to try to make it easy on people to buy gifts we want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's gotten to be... My kids now, like, submit their Christmas list with links. And on one hand, it's great because it's super easy to get them exactly what they want. But on the other hand, it kills the whole thrill of the hunt. Like yeah. figuring it out and finding just the right one. And I've just got such mixed feelings about it. Yeah. My, my wife's going to be like total letdown. I apparently I knocked it out of the park for a birthday gift. There's this like rumbler cold brew thing. So yeah. it's like this uh, stainless steel tube with a whole bunch of laser lasered holes in there and like a silicone top. And it's perfectly made to fit inside a quart size or half gallon size uh mason jar yeah and you like fill it up with coffee and then you just like flip it up and down three times mix the water around and then you let it sit for like 24 hours and the holes are so small she doesn't have to strain the the stuff uh when she drinks it and uh she said that's uh been the best gift i've given her in many years so it was like great and then it's like christmas is coming up (laughs) you know a good Christmas gift just gets lost in the crowd anyway. <laughs> so how you been doing this week, Dan? Um, it has been freaking crazy around here. Getting ready uh, for Christmas? Um, getting ready for Christmas, kid coming back from college. Um, Alex just ended a really impressive run for the state championships here in South Carolina for football, um, which was absolutely freaking awesome. But the football season lasted considerably longer than we thought it was. We had to sell off some tickets and move some things around and change some work hours. So we're, we're doing a little catch up. Okay. But I'm, uh, I'm doing well. As I told you before, I need a new, I need a new KH Daily shirt because uh, I've lost almost 15 pounds. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, it, it realized that it really comes down to motivation. Yep. At first, my motivation was to look good. That obviously didn't have any effect. <laughs> and then it was like to look good for my wife, which we've been married. To, we've been together 22 years. Like she she screwed up and told me not too long ago, you know, at this point, it's going to be too much hassle to replace a new one. So I'm just going to put up with all your crap. Yeah. That, that really wasn't a motivation. And she doesn't want to lose half her stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she has really nice stuff way better than the stuff i've got yeah um and then it was supposed to be you know get healthy and it turns out i didn't really give a crap about that but so a little bit of backstory i used to compete in judo and i loved it um made a run at nationals uh took third blew out a knee was going to need a replacement at I guess I was like 35 and the deal kind of came to, this is going to be expensive. So yeah, we're, we're going to get your knee replaced, but you got to be done with this. So I was, um, and there's a pretty good, uh, dojo in Greenville. Apparently I was finally so just such a pain in the butt that Beth's like, all right, you can go to judo, but you can't compete anymore. Like you just, you got to be a club level guy. So, we realized a couple of things. One, I freaking love judo. I'm a much better person when I can get on the mats. I am such a better person that Beth has now said, I don't care how bad you mess yourself up. I don't care what the replacement and repair costs are. You go do whatever you want. You want to compete, you compete. We also found out that the one effective motivation for weight loss for me is not getting my ass whipped. <laughs> get to that lower weight class yeah uh, all of a sudden being more efficient and fighting smaller guys turns out that was the motivation i needed to actually exercise consistently and and eat a more appropriate diet yeah um but i've been back on the mat for about almost two months now and i don't want to say i've never been this happy because my kids are amazing and they add so much to my life and my wife is an awesome human being but I didn't realize that there was something missing in my life until I got back on the mats. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's good. I would have thought you would have got out, got out on your, uh, with your son wrestling. Cause you, I remember you talking about liking that so much. Yeah. No. Remember the part about not getting my ass whipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Alex is Alex is going to make a legitimate run at a, a state championship here in South Carolina wrestling. And okay. last year, when he needed a thrilling partner, when he was when he was cutting some weight, I realized that my days of wrestling broad necked, wide chested, seventeen year old high school studs. God, that's going to this man. That's going in the outtakes too, isn't it? <laughs> or just our hair. Yeah. Um, my days of keeping up with teenagers. I mean, as Beth says, I'm closer to 50 than I am 40. Um, the, the, those days are behind me. Yeah. They still have different age ranges though. Yeah. Up with y'all. We don't, we still don't have club wrestling very much down in the South. Really? I mean, they've got it for kids, but they don't have the, the adult tournaments, um, like they do up North. I would have thought that it would have been something down there, but guess not. 
Not yet. I mean, our the development for wrestling down here is God. It is probably twenty years behind the Northeast. Hmm. As much as it pains me to admit that the Northeast might do anything better than the South, <laughs> it, we we still haven't developed the wrestling culture that y'all have got up there. It's you do it through high school, maybe college if you're a stud, and then there's just there's no adult clubs. There's no open age clubs down here like there are up there. Yeah, yeah, I miss wrestling. Haven't done it in a long time, but uh, but yeah, for me this week has been uh, been pretty crazy. My my wife's been uh, she's a teacher, so she's got parent teacher conferences. So we've been she's been doing doing that from eight in the morning till eight at night so yeah i now see why little john i now see where little johnny gets his idiocy from <laughs> yeah so uh she's had some had some some fun interactions but it's just a long day like just the mental taxation of trying to line up and people are late and then people are early and then they want to talk to you and then they keep trying to switch their times and it's just frustrating well, I'm trying to think of, I mean, she's got what, 30 kids per class? I think she's got like 27, but yeah, pretty yeah. close. I'm trying to think of in-depth, insightful, not in any way dangerous or full of trip uh, pitfalls conversation to have with parents has got to be. I mean, that's got to be brutal just to begin with. Yeah, pretty much her entire class is all Spanish speaking, too. So she's having to like speak in Spanish, which she's pretty fluent at, but it just is a lot for your brain to work on because it's not what she's used to. I forget. She, she teaches Spanish, doesn't she? She's bilingual. Uh, so it's a dual language program. The same thing our twin boys are in. So they're learning Spanish and English. Okay. Uh, So she teaches like kind of half and half, which is even more significant than just teaching, not but just teaching Spanish, but having to switch back and forth during the day has got to be, I mean, that's that takes a, a much higher understanding of the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just knowing all the vocabulary and stuff is is tough. But she's pretty smart. Why is she with you? Yeah, I tricked her. <laughs> <laughs> just but, like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, but getting the shop ready. The big uh, the big thing since the last podcast was the hole for the exhaust and stuff. It, I have heat in the garage. Yeah, so uh, it was 22 degrees up here this morning when I let the dogs out at 6 a.m. Wow. Uh, so it's been really nice having a, a thermostat keeping the garage at 55 or 60 degrees. Putting a sweatshirt on and working in that temperature is more than ideal. Man, I get it. Winter has really hit South Carolina. I think it was uh, I think it was 47 last night. Wow. Um, yeah, we had to turn the heat on and light a fire. It's, it's, I get it, man. Winter is in full swing. Yeah, I'm glad that I already got our pool closed and everything. <laughs> so, but yeah, the spray foam people are supposed to be here in the next like mid December. So, hopefully, it takes even less heat to keep it warm out there. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You got to be pouring the heat in or the BTUs. Yeah. I got an 80,000 BTU heater, so it's supposed to be able to do like 3,000 square feet. So, That's British thermal unit? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the like all of the HVAC, like even over in Europe and stuff, uses all English for it. Uh, mm-hmm. all, the, all the 
everything was developed in uh inches and pounds and english energy stuff yeah shit it's like this it's like those measurements were used to go to the moon or something <laughs> yeah when we're, down in, when we're down in south america the local contact keeps giving measurements in centimeters and meters and kilometers with well, a um and the, it's a mix between um hey can you use um can you use went to the moon measurements or uh, can you use freedom numbers? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say like four machetes. <laughs> but, well, no. So Goran, the local contact is, I mean, he grew up in various parts of Europe. He's over um, the locals. The, comp- the distances are a little bit or a long way. <laughs> and a little bit is anywhere from five miles to an entire day's walk. And a long way is somewhere between a couple of days walk in a, a month. Wow. Yeah. I, I saw Joe flowers was down in South America recently, or he's reposting a whole bunch of photos. Uh, he was, actually, man. Uh, I'm a little heartbroken. That, no, I'm actually not heartbroken. Cause I would have had to miss some football games and I'm just not doing that. But Alex's games, but he, Joe actually did two trips down to the jungle this year. Um, so he did double trips. And that whole spearing the uh, the uh, electric eel in the underground tunnels—that was crazy. I saw. I, it, I saw that for I saw that video first, and I was like, "Oh, that's a big fish." And then I like read the caption that it was an electric eel, and I was like, "You got to be like really careful. You don't like zap, get yourself zapped or something." I don't know how much that would hurt, but oh, if it a can, lot. if it can incapacitate a fish, I imagine it hurt hurts you quite well, a bit. Well, it, it, can, it can incapacitate multiple fish in a body of water. Yeah. If you touch it, they can knock you the hell out. Really? Yeah. I, uh, that's even crazier. <laughs> um, yeah. Notice that they used a wooden shaft on the spear and then used a wooden club to bang it on the head a couple of times. And then there was the debate. Is it dead? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Really? Are you really sure? Yeah. Let's, just, let's just let it lay there for a while. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was, when I saw the video, I, I reached out to Goran and it's dry land, but it's low spots. So with the root systems and stuff of the trees that go kind of underground, okay. there's almost this sponge like network of underground streams that run all through that area. So they were just digging down into one of those streams and then spearing one of those eels and pulling them up. So could they like see through the mud or, or see through the like dirt water or was um, it fairly clear? Or? I don't, I wasn't there. So I don't know all the details. There was, again, the guys that live down there. I mean, those guys don't play bushcraft. They live by being in the jungle. Yeah. I, they knew an area that would be a high probability that there would be one. And then, I don't know if the water was clear enough because the shaft was only like 12 inches wide. Yeah. Um, But there was some indicator for them to know it was there um, and then speared it right behind the head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that has to be crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm going back next year. It, it broke my heart to miss another year. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Should we talk about our sponsors? We should. Um, 
considering, you know, they're the whole reason we can be here. Yeah. Well, no, our listeners, all five of you are the reason we're here. The sponsors just facilitate that. <laughs> uh, there's a few more than five, but thanks, guys. And uh, so uh, up first, we got Phoenix Abrasives do some great belts. Uh, they also just got in a whole bunch of the incinerator belts from Broadbeck that uh, Vince was talking about a little bit on the uh, the last pod or hit the podcast he was on. Uh, those incinerator belts are supposed to work three times better than the ceramic belts. So I'm going to give it a try. We'll see how it works on some CPM 154. Uh, you can get a 10% discount on those uh, if you use KP10 on your order. And uh, that's their whole product line. And uh, one of the things I did notice on that they're going to start carrying is those 3M deburring wheels. So uh, if you guys haven't used those, um, they are a godsend to take off. Uh, sharp edges from when you're grinding, uh, rounding over the spine, just taking off and kind of blending those super sharp knife edges. <laughs> when you uh, get the 90 degree angle on the top spines and stuff, I use them a ton on my my customer knives that I sharpen their knives, I take the hinkles and uh, Wustoff and a lot of those knives and round over that top spine, charge the people five bucks. It takes like uh, one or two minutes. That's a great idea. And the people said, this is a completely different knife. Like, why didn't it come from the factory like this? And I said, they'd have to charge $5 more. And uh, they go, well, I guess so. So those those uh, deburring wheels, I don't know if they're going to be 3M brand, but they're, uh, uh, what do they call them? Convolute wheels, I believe is the, the industry name for them. But it's like a hard Scotch-Brite type material kind of like the scotch bright belts but all in like a one inch wide like i get the eight inch diameter wheels and put it on my buffer and i leave it on there all the time uh for when i'm cutting out blanks and stuff so makes it super great good idea and then uh we got old town cutlery a great supporter of the podcast also carry uh cage daily knives and dogwood custom knives at the uh on their website and at their store and if you use KP10, you can get 10% off all their stuff, too. So they've got handle materials, knives, um, sharpening supplies, epoxy, pen material, folding knives, slip joint knives, tactical folders, you name it, they pretty much have it. If it's got an edge and you want it or is involved in making it, they've got it. Yeah. And then uh, Broadbeck Ironworks is having a Black Friday sale, so don't use the KP um uh, sale use their black friday sale uh they've got three big uh promotions they got going on they got a hundred dollars off the surface grinder attachment uh 375 dollars off their premium package which gets you a eight or ten inch contact wheel small wheel attachment slack belt attachment the mareco platinum upgrade and a belt kit and then their super mega package is everything that they have 540 dollars off that whole thing uh, with the Moreco Platinum Upgrade, Belt Kit, Buffing Attachment, Disc Sander, Slack Belt, all the stuff. So really good deal if you're in the, the market for a new grinder uh, or want to buy that for your special someone. Check out uh, Broadbeck, get in on some of their Black Friday sale. If if you're buying somebody a grinder, they, did, they either did something really right for you or they're about to. <laughs> be, be prepared to get a whole bunch of kisses. Mm. Uh, <laughs> like deep passionate ones uh, 
and then uh cage daily knives and dogwood custom knives uh sponsors of the podcast uh and you can get uh you can find cage daily knives and dogwood custom knives at old town cutlery and you can find dogwood custom knives at the knife center the knife house and the cook station so uh next up on the agenda uh how did your uh guild meeting go for the one year anniversary really well um we had a really good turnout which when you get close to the holidays, I always appreciate much love to chef Ralph and um, chef Craig. They absolutely knocked it out. At least two people admitted that they just came for the food, but I was okay with that. You you only halfway came for the food. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to admit that when I told Beth, we were planning the guild meeting. She's Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's fine. And then I told her the menu. She's like, Oh, it just so happens I'll be near the shop around lunch. <laughs> nice. Uh, it was great to catch up with some people. We had some really good demos. Uh, had a couple of knife grinding demos. I talked a little bit about handles. We're going to tease it later, but we had a, a professional come in and give some really phenomenal professional advice as far as on the, the run in the company side. So all in all, really phenomenal. Uh, we're going to try to go ahead and schedule three or four meetings for the coming year and get that schedule up so people can can plan ahead. Uh, but I'm really glad to see that the guild is starting to stand on its own feet. And my my goal had always been stand something up that's self supportive, and then it didn't require. It didn't require me. It didn't require Jason Nine. It didn't require some of these other guys that have been helping out that we could stand something up that would stand on its own. And even if we weren't around, it'll continue. And I, I think we've done that. Good. Really, uh, really happy for you guys. Thank you. And then you said, or a lot of these questions that we uh, ended up uh, wanting to discuss a little bit came from some of that guild stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Some of it is, Questions we talked about at the Guild that somehow in my fogged mind, I remembered, oh, other makers might want to know this. And then some of it is from people at Blade Show or some of my customers or just people in the industry, aficionados, that have always asked, why do knife makers do this? So we're going to pass along a little bit of, here's some of the things that your customers want to know and or, dude, you're screwing up. Yeah. Um, one of the pieces of advice I'm going to give, and this actually isn't my advice. This comes from Bob Loveless. Always put your name on your blades. Maker marks are phenomenal. I have one. They're really cool. It's fun to have a story behind it. But five years from now, when somebody is trying to say, hey, what's the upside down anvil company? I really like this knife. I would like to buy five more of them, but I have no idea who this guy is. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had somebody reach out to me and send me a picture of a maker's mark and go, do you know who this guy is? And I have to tell him, no, I'm, I'm going to guess he's something about a crane. Cause I, I think that's a freaking bird. And <laughs> one of his initials may be J, but so put your name. Um, I came up through Andy Roy's shop, so I put mine on the spine. Uh, and I actually kind of break out. I do mid-tech, just says Dogwood Custom Knives. 
my signature line has my name on it, Dan Eastland. And then my full custom, you ordered it. The moon is the limit gets my name and my maker's mark. That's just the way I do it. Put your name on your blade. So when somebody gets one of your knives and they want another one, they know who you are. Yeah. That's one of the, the like upsides of using your name in your, your business name too. Uh, lots of people go back and forth on that. That's part of why I went with cage daily knives. So on my blade, it says cage daily. When people look up, look it up, it's fairly easy for them to, to find. Yeah. And it doesn't, if for whatever reason, you don't want to use your personal name, use your company name, but put a name on there so that they can find you. Mm-hmm. Don't make them have to, to translate the uh, cross-reference. Yeah, no, there was a, uh, you know, there was this little monthly kind of magazine book. Which is phenomenal bathroom reading. This is how old I am. Reader's Digest. Yeah. And they used to have all these word puzzles in them where it was like, uh, you know, a B and a number two and something else. And you'd have to figure out what the word was. Did you get TV Guide also? Yeah, I did. The Tweak. <laughs> I, uh, when I was cleaning... Uh, when we were moving to our new house, I found a couple that my grandma had given me from way back when that were old Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, things that had articles and stuff in there. Some of those were kind of cool, but way, yeah. way replaced by the the internet and TiVo oh, and everything. A hundred percent. But the, the Reader's Digest used to be, that was like the gold standard of bathroom reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I try not to read. I try to get in and out, but end up uh, browsing on Instagram or whatever. So Yeah, that was back in the days before you could take your phone in the bathroom with you. <laughs> Whoever had this house before loved phones because there's a phone jacks literally everywhere. There's every bathroom, every closet, every mm-hmm. everywhere. Our last house had phone jacks in the bathroom and Beth and I were torn between Ooh, that's fancy. And dude, I don't want to talk to you when you're on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Just call me back. Yep. Totally. I've hung up on some of my buddies that I'm like, what the heck was that? <laughs> like, <"Ew."> <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking to you while your pants around your ankles. Yep. <laughs> or worse. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to, uh, back to that question number two. Uh, Yep. Uh, Why do makers have such bad customer service? Uh, I really struggle with this. Pretty much every maker I know that doesn't have somebody hired to be customer service struggles with this. I do. Yeah. Uh, Part (laughs) of it is we have self-selected to be in an industry where you work by yourself or in very small groups in a loud environment where you can't talk. Yeah, most of us are either on the autistic scale, just don't like people, don't know how to communicate, or emotionally stunted. And there's a lot of reasons that we do what we do. But there's, we don't like to talk to people. That's a general theme. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you want to pay your bills, you got to talk to people. Yeah. There have been a couple of times where I've gotten like calls from makers or somebody that I was like wanting to talk to and. Uh, you, you, I just answer the phone and you, you hear like the dust collector turn off the grinder, turn off 
respirator come off. <laughs> like you're just gonna have to deal with like 10, 15 more seconds or because I don't want it to go to voicemail and then have to call you back and then you not answer and then yeah. Um and for makers, it took me a while to figure this out. And I think it was a I can't remember what it was was. May have been some materials that I was really excited about. And I realized that I was annoying the guy calling for updates. And I didn't mean to be a pain in the ass. I was, but I didn't mean to be. I was just really excited about getting this stuff. So my advice to makers is when you've got that person that's constantly contacting you for updates and I told you when it would be, take a step back. Remember, they're calling you because they're really excited about getting what you made. Think about that. Someone is excited about getting your work. Mm. Keep that perspective. Be patient. I, I struggle to keep my temper sometimes with, I told you it would be done in four to six weeks. Has it been four to six weeks? Then no, it's not done. Yeah. Be patient, guys. Be flattered. Matter of fact, first and foremost, I remember... Um, I think it was Mr. T that was given an interview. And it was, this was, some of y'all probably don't know who Mr. T was. I pity the fool. But he was big. <laughs> yeah, he was big and he was a badass. And in the 80s and maybe into the 90s, definitely the 80s, he was an A-list star. And he was at some event and got irritated with people wanting autographs and that sort of thing. It was kind of rude. And Muhammad Ali was there. And apparently Muhammad Ali took him behind the curtain and said, the only reason you've got the money in your pocket and you're here is because of those people. Now you're going to go over there and you're going to give them autographs and you're going to smile and you're going to appreciate them because they're the only reason you get to do this or I'm going to whip your ass. And the interviewer was like, well, you know, what'd you do? Mr. T said, it was Muhammad Ali. I went over there and signed <laughs> autographs and I smiled. Yeah. But it was the, remember, your customers are the only reason you get to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I get super excited when I when I hear a order order bling on my my phone and stuff. Uh I was I was struggling to get out of bed the other day and heard the heard an order bling and I was like, All right, time to go get at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this one printed off and in the mail. So yeah, keep an eye or just make sure you try to try to keep an update. Uh, one of the things that I started doing was making little cards with my order stuff. And then I got a, I haven't put it up yet, but um, like those ticket rails for yeah. with the, the marbles. And I'm planning on just putting those up there just so I can keep an eye and uh, try to keep myself a little more organized than my, all of my uh, notes and stuff on my phone. Uh, just so I have something a little quicker to check and see. I've tried a couple of things. I've tried a notebook and that was hard because I'm a out of sight, out of mind kind of guy. And then I tried a whiteboard, but keeping that updated got to be a struggle. And I've got one of the dividing walls of my shop is made out of sheet metal. So I finally gone to index cards and magnets and when I get an order, I write it on the index card and I stick it up there. And my deal is I try to group the orders in batches. 
because, you know, one-offs are really inefficient. It's hard to make money doing one at a time. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to say it's an Echo 5 order. I try to batch four or five Echo 5 orders together, mm-hmm. make that whole order, and then ship them out. Yep. And it, it gets to be a little bit of a balancing act between delivery date and trying to, to batch orders. But having all of those orders up on the wall where I can see them help keeps it forward of mind for me. Yeah. I try to I try to always do two of any pattern I make. So yeah. if I have an order and I don't have like, th- or if I have like just two or three, I try to make like another one of each one if it has different file work patterns. And then I, I grind it and have it. And then I just take that blank that's already ground and stuff and just put it in the, the drawer if I, uh, if the night I don't screw up the, the first one. So then that's super helpful when uh, somebody comes and says, Hey, I got a birthday in a week. Uh, any chance you can help save me. And it's fairly easy to throw a handle on something pretty quick uh, if you don't have to do the heat treating, grinding, and everything. Yeah, and I used to do, you know, if, if I had an or, if I had two orders, I'd do a batch of five, and two of them would go out to orders, and the other three would be spec knives that I could put up on the site. Yep. Um, I struggle with that now because frequently everything in the batches is is an order, but yeah, yeah we're going to dealers. Yeah. Um, but to your point, never make one of anything. Yep. And I also put, uh, two knives per foil packet for my heat treating. So having two of the exact same knives, uh, they match up and they don't warp or anything. I have freed myself from the foil. Yeah. Well, you told me about it too late and I already have another 50 foot (laughs) roll of foil in the shop. You know, I've got a half a roll under glass, you know, break in case of emergencies. Uh, But that Duffy stuff has been phenomenal. Yeah, I need to get some of that sometime soon. So, Um, yeah, and I in the end, the small blanks, I just dip them to apply it. Uh, Mark uses one of those cheap, like Husky paint sprayers. But he also does really pretty significant batches. Okay. So it's a little bit of a, a back and forth on application Cleaning. techniques. Cleaning and stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, cause you, yeah, it's a lacquer. So after you spray, you got to clean all the equipment. So on one hand, it needs to be a batch big enough to justify the hassle of spraying a bunch of blades. Um, on the other hand, coverage thickness is important. On the small blades, it's easy to dip them. Okay. I've also painted on, but sometimes when I paint, it takes five, six, seven coats to get enough thickness. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a hassle factor, but it's still, I still prefer it to foil. Okay. I've gotten pretty good at cutting out foil packets, so I don't mind it too terribly much, but it does, does take some time. And for those of you that are wondering what we're talking about, it was what, four or five episodes ago. Um, it's a, uh, anti-oxidation company coating from the Duffy company. Yeah. I know quite a few of our listeners bought uh, jars and I said, why didn't you send me some? Yeah. No kidding. Put <laughs> a brother up. <laughs> I hope when they bought them, they said, Hey, I heard about this on knife perspective. Yeah. I hope so. Cause um, I'm about to have to order again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so the next question, how do you promote? Uh, actually, you know, I want to get, I do want to talk about one other thing on the customer service. Okay. Um, get ahead of your issues. 
you know that you're not going to hit the deadline. Like it's not the night before. And then you realize you're suddenly not going to be able to get it done. It's embarrassing. And it sucks to call somebody and tell them, Hey, depending on your perspective, I failed or I haven't achieved, or there's been an issue. But I have found that if you call the customer and tell them that there's an issue, 99% of the time, well, like 93% of the time, they're really cool about it. They're like, hey, I get it. Thank you for letting me know. But I have learned from dealing with some other people that if the customer has to call you, it's an entirely different conversation. They are not understanding. They are not forgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, and I realized with some of my issues um, talking to suppliers that when they called me, it was really easy for me to be gracious and understanding. But if I had to call them, I was already pissed off. I was already looking for my pound of flesh and it was going to be way harder to make me happy. So if there's going to be an issue, get ahead of it. Uh, it's going to be a way easier conversation than you think it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Customer service is a big thing. Uh, even just uh, a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, there's some more stuff on customer service, but we'll get to that into a, on another episode because this one's probably going to get long already and it's Christmas rush and I'm about to pound a rip it and go back to work. <laughs> um, how do you promote? I am not the best person in the world to ask about this because I suck at promotions. Fortunately, coming out of the, the Fiddleback Forge complex, I had a, a leg up. Uh, Kyle, you may, you, I mean, we've got a couple of things on here. You may have some other advice. Um, for me, this is going to sound weird, guys, because you've heard me tell you about how awesome I am because I am. But it is really difficult for me to tell people how great I am. I mean, obviously that I've, I've overcome that barrier, but it takes a great It speaks to my level of awesomeness that I can now tell people how awesome I am. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to promote yourself sometimes. Like uh, I, I have a big problem with uh, just like letting people know about stuff and trying not to. I feel braggy uh, sometimes, but. Uh, just trying to stay humble, but you also have to balance that with telling people about your products and promoting your products. And if people don't know what your products are, then they aren't going to buy them. So I uh, got to learn how to promote your products. And online used to be all about the forums. And as Kyle can uh, contest, contest, yeah, that's the right word. Um, having Ted to clean up some of the show notes that I've done. I am brutally dyslexic and came up through the public school system in the eighties and nineties. The forum formats did not work for me. Everybody was pretty sure I was a mildly retarded four-year-old and was not going to listen to anything I said. And if I argued with anybody, they immediately pointed out that I was an idiot that didn't know which there, 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 two, 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 or go screw yourself <laughs> to use. I figured uh, you probably didn't have a problem with that last one. No, no, that, that actually came pretty naturally. <laughs> um, with Instagram and some of these formats that are more photo oriented, and we'll talk about photos later. Actually, I think that's the next thing we're going to talk about. Yep. That has really helped for guys like me. 
Because it's less text, more visual. Mm-hmm. And and I like seeing that stuff too. Um, I I personally like photos. I know Instagram and a lot of the other places are trying to move move towards the the short videos, but I like to be able to zoom in on on different things and. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see if that's a shadow or not? You're you're crazy. Uh, so. Um, but yeah, yeah the, man, I wish this was on camera because the shade of red you just turned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just okay. like, I like uh, just being able to like scroll through the carousel of photos instead of watching like a video and then inevitably like an air compressor kicks on or all sorts well, of stuff. My wife yells, can you turn that down? Or if <laughs> you're trying to check out a detail, you wind up. Rewatching the video 15 times and 80% of it you didn't give a damn about. You're just trying to get that one part. Yeah, trying, to, trying to get it to stop right at that precise second. Yeah. So, um, Word of mouth is always good if you can get into the industry. In the restaurant industry, it's great because the restaurant industry is really tribal. I mean, especially in the big cities where you have different restaurant groups. Like if you get in with one of those, word will spread. Good, bad, or indifferent. The industry's kind of it, it's both gotten bigger and smaller. Like the internet has allowed the community to come together as a community, but it's also harder to get your voice heard nowadays. Yeah, and uh, some of those communities seem to be a little more selective. Um, yeah, for who they're gonna, they're like, yeah, yeah, go over there. Yeah, titanium left-handed flippers only. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder uh, how many of our how many of our listeners are going to get that reference. <laughs> uh, shows are expensive, but they can really be your best friend. Uh, it's a chance to put your work in front of enthusiasts that are interested enough that they paid to be there. By paying to be there, it filters out. Some of the just random, I'm not really into knives people, especially if it's a knife specific show. Mm-hmm. You may not sell knives at the show. You may not recoup your losses. Think of that as advertising expenses because you got in front of people who may think of you in six months when they wanted a knife or you planted the seed of somebody that talked to somebody that talked to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not even above the selling your stuff uh, at a lot of the knife shows and stuff, you can handpick handle material and stuff that you can see in person. Uh, a lot of stuff like that for like super special knives uh, can be the, uh, the difference between a $500 knife and a thousand dollar knife uh, making that handle material pop and just getting in touch with some other makers to give you a hint. I'm having trouble with this. And then like, oh, I solve it what doing this. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? So uh, just increasing that network of makers and then becoming friends with people. Like there's a whole bunch of people I call Dan up and uh, other makers. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you have any advice? And like, yeah, I did it this way. Definitely don't do it that way or stuff like that. When when I was uh, going to do some AEBL stuff, I talked to John Kaufman because he was doing a run of stuff and he's like, Make sure you straighten it before you put it into the cryo, because once you cryo it, you ain't getting the warp out. 
So <laughs> it was like, all right, good to know. <laughs> so stuff like that, that just people doing it and sharing information. And making contacts with uh, suppliers is nice too. Um, you know, finding out, especially at some of the smaller shows, you'll find some of the materials people that maybe haven't made it huge yet where you know, you're not paying $135 and waiting six months for the Uber special double Ruby stabilized material. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's doing a really good job that is much like new knife makers that has stock in hand and you can get it. And I'm, I'm going to plus one on the handpicking materials. That was a great point that on the internet, it'll say fine grain, but if you're looking at the stack of material, you can pick through and see, is there good chatoyance? Uh, how is the grain structure? If I position the knife just this way, what what piece am I going to get out of it? That was, a, that was a really good point. And a lot of people take photos uh, with all the stuff wet, and it looks yeah. completely different when it's dry. <laughs> and so, there have been a couple times where I pulled, pulled the trigger and bought a couple pieces of wood, and I got it, and I'm like, what the? the heck is this like this doesn't look anything like what i bought um i have i have busted an uh a knife maker stones about he'll oil his uh, handles for his photos and shoot them wet and i'm like come on dude yeah someone's gonna open the box and it's not gonna look like that yeah it happens well and i guess the argument for them is supposed for the materials people is they're trying to show you what it's going to look like polished yeah and for my days of woodworking, it, it drives, it used to drive my wife nuts because I would look at something and tell her how beautiful it's going to be. And she just couldn't see it. But having spent enough time going from rough cut lumber to finished project, I could, I knew what to look for. Yeah. And you never know what's inside the block. Uh, there's yeah. been a couple of times where I've cut open a block for scales and there's a huge void in the center especially with burls and stuff. A lot of the like curly stuff is not nearly that problem, but the burls, uh, there was one time there was like, like almost the whole inside of the block was gone. Like, but (laughs) from how it was cut, you wouldn't have never, you would never known. The ginormous cancerous material had a void in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I know, I know burls aren't cancer, but it works. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to talk about photos? Yep. Uh, man, it's a visual state. It's a visual culture now. Photos sell. And nothing will tank a cell faster than crappy photos. Mm-hmm. I know that because back on knife forums, I got long, long, long paragraphs critiquing my photos. Turns out my primary problem was I needed to clean my objective lens. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, before you take a photo with anything, make sure the lens is clean. Give that puppy a wipe. Yep. Um, <laughs> a, a light box can really help. And some of them are as cheap as almost like a pop-up tent. Yeah. I think I built mine for $35 out of materials from Home Depot. Yeah. Mine's a like cube that I got from Amazon. It's like 30 bucks, and it like unfolds kind of like a laundry like some of yep. those fold up laundry hamper things and uh, the whole side is open. So pretty handy. And what that's going to do is it, 
don't take my word on it because I'm obviously not a very good photographer, but just a, a general idea is it helps diffuse the light so you don't get as much glare and shadows. You get a more even, consistent lighting. Yeah. You don't get hot yeah. spots. Yeah. Trying to take uh, pictures of shiny things makes it difficult. And speaking of shiny things, your background. Um, you want something flat so you're not getting a bunch of reflection. Uh, I have a stack of different materials, leather, cloth. I like for my background to contrast with my knife, so it helps the knife pop. I know, I think you use granite, don't you, Carl? I usually use a bamboo cutting board. Oh, that's a good call. Yep. I've got some old pieces of weathered lumber, wood. That can get to be a your thing. But your kitchen counter tends to be a terrible background because it's shiny. Yep. Um, get something flat with some texture, and you may want something light, something dark. I, again, there's a thousand YouTube tutorials about this stuff. Yep. Um, as as well as uh, I know, uh, Caleb Breuer uh, did a whole uh, class oh, at that. Uh, Blade Show. So Blade Show University, if you uh, are going to be in Atlanta. Um, definitely check out some of those classes. Yeah, and they shoot some incredible stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he also does. Uh, if you take your photos, you can send them to him, and he'll edit them in those like three composite things. And it's amazing the difference. Uh, some of just his editing, um, for those composite shots to do. It's like that thousand dollar software works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it used to. We used to talk a lot about get a quality camera and what a quality camera is. But nowadays, some of the cameras on like iPhones and Androids and stuff are pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. um, back to YouTube. There's a lot of tutorials, but if you think you're taking good enough photos, check because you're probably not. Yeah, swag is advertising. I early on. Bought a bunch of shirts and hats because I bought shirts and hats from makers. And I thought this was going to be a great parallel income stream. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. If you really want to, we can open up the issues closet and we can talk about all the reasons that you're just not going to make money as a clothing brand. But T-shirts and hats and stickers, those are billboards. T-shirts. Somebody is wearing a billboard with your logo on it, and there's a good chance they're around other people that like knives because, you know, they're knife people wearing a T-shirt. When you get swag, consider that your advertising budget or part of your advertising budget. You're never going to recoup your cost on hats and shirts and stuff. But what you don't see is, like I said, it's advertising. You're spending that money. You're not going to get a direct return on it, but there's a good chance you're going to get an indirect and it won't be instant. It takes a while, but just write it off as advertising. One of the things for me was, uh, I saw four people wearing my shirt at Blade show this year Duke -kaboom. and, uh, the smile for that was, uh, pretty big. So that made me good to, good to see for a very, very long time. And I might, have another one because every so often I do this. 
but I've kept a business card in my wallet that said 50% off and had my signature on it. And I kept it in my wallet till the first time I saw somebody wearing my slag just for the, the thrill of, of seeing somebody. I need to start wearing your swag around you more often. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you might actually get that cap heart. I've been owing you for almost a year. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it's an incredible rush. It, it's small. It's petty. I know it doesn't make, me, it, but it's awesome to see somebody wearing your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, legal protection. Uh, this is the teaser. We. Um, I had a corporate lawyer speak at the guild meeting recently. And I got to admit, it was Beth's suggestion because as we've established, I'm a crap businessman. Um, But he helped me a lot um, getting legal, setting things up. And when I finished easily 20, 30% of the people that had come both makers and um, hobbyists pulled me aside to thank me uh, for the information. Um, if I remember correctly, he started the, the conversation with, do you like your house? Do you want to keep your house? Okay. I'm going to tell you how to do that. Yep. Some of it was really common sense stuff that after you told him you're like, or after he told us, you're like, Oh, I should have thought of that. And some of it is easy stuff that will will help you protect. It, it, we won't go too far down this rabbit hole because we're going to do a, a whole a whole episode with him. Yeah, that'll be great. I'm I'm looking forward to more of that too because I need to start getting more of that stuff in place. Uh, and he'll tell you he's he's not a tax guy. Because I found I had to find some middle road because my tax guy would give me one advice and then the lawyer would give me some advice and there'd be some back and forth and you have to decide which which is going to be the most important. Um, yeah. So he freely admits he's not giving you tax information. He's giving you product liability protection. Yeah. Yeah. The tax attorneys and stuff get paid a lot of money for knowing all that stuff too. I know some people that. Uh, are CPAs and tax attorneys and they can, they can really be their worth their weight in gold uh, helping you save money. And uh, there's a reason why those billionaires don't pay a ton in income tax because they hire people that their sole job is to get them out of paying. Yeah. <laughs> so find what you're good at and hire people for the rest. Yeah. I'd like to be, a, or they got to have more money coming in to hire people. For the yeah. Rest. <laughs> That's why back again to why are knife makers bad businessmen? Because uh, yeah. we're trying to do it all. I don't have any idea. Um, yeah, and I'm at the tipping point that I'm going to have to bring some people in, and it's frustrating because I'm just finally making some decent money, and now I'm going to have to spend the money I'm making on other people. Yep. Intellectually, I know that's because I can so that I can make more money. But man, it's hard to give it up now that I'm finally getting something. Yeah. Well, you've got all those years of uh, low, low numbers that you want to make up for. Yeah. So. Um, R&D. We're going to touch on this really quickly. I found early on, especially with the kitchen knives, 
I don't have 60 hours a week to spend chopping up vegetables and doing prep work. So I can have some concepts of what I needed on my knife, but to really know, I needed, I didn't need another knife maker to tell me how to make the knife. I, I had that kind of zeroed in. I needed to know what the knife needed to be. And based on my home cook experience, I had an idea. I was really, really fortunate that I had some guys in the industry, so it helped me break in to find people to do R&D. But man, gear processors. On the kitchen side, obviously chefs, butchers, if there's an issue on your design, they're going to know in hours or days, if not hours. Mm. Um, and they're going to give you feedback and it'll be small things that the home cook would never have said, wow, I wish the spine was rolled off, was rounded off. But they will say, I don't know why, but this knife is so much more comfortable. The chefs that are using it 60 hours a week that have the callus on their index finger, they know exactly why the spine was too sharp. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, uh, there's a lot of those things you don't know what you don't know until you've used a knife that goes back to being at some of those shows, seeing, seeing knives that are a thousand, fifteen hundred, five thousand dollars or more, uh, being able to pick it up and handle it makes a big difference. Um, for the outdoor knives, man, if you can find, and there's guide services all over the place. If you can find a guide that is actually in the bush using a knife all the time, yeah, that's an option. Look for guys that are using it all the time. And it gets to be kind of a, it's a fine line between the people that are just conning you out of a free blade. Uh, but if you can find people that with skill use your tool a lot, that knowledge is invaluable. And what's really, I mean, if you can find somebody that uses it a lot and can communicate needs, desires, etc. Because I had a lot of guys that they could tell me they liked one knife over another one, but they couldn't tell me why. And it's not an intellect thing. They just, they were good users. They weren't strong communicators. Mm-hmm. If you can find somebody that can do that, do not tell anyone other than Kyle and I, and I promise we won't tell anybody. <laughs> they are worth their weight in gold. Give them a knife. Put your pride in your pocket. It's not your baby. They're not telling you, you screwed up, put your pride in your pocket and listen to somebody that may not know shit about knife making, but they know something about using it in this specific task and take that home. And once you're home, send Kyle and I an email with what they told you. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, we teased at the beginning. Let's talk about some of these knife maker gifts. Uh, First and foremost, you should be getting... KP knife perspective stickers on the website. Yeah. They should Uh, be on your car, your computer, your wallet, your phone. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Toolbox, grinder, everywhere. There is a good chance that one day if I meet you in public and you've got a knife stick, a knife perspective sticker, I may have a business card with a little something written on it on my wall in my wallet. Heck yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then, uh, we mentioned before grinders are always a good one. Broadbeck, our, uh, our sponsor makes a great one. I own one great, great grinder. 
belts. Uh, I think Phoenix even does a gift certificate. So I don't think you get 10% off your gift certificate, but that's always an option. I know Old Town Cutlery does some gift certificates, I believe. And Phoenix Phoenix does kind of bundles too. So Yeah, they do a knife maker bundle, so you can just get some whole whole assortment. Yep. Uh, the Knife Engineering Book by uh, our good friend of the podcast, Laren Thomas. Yeah, Laren, Laren's book is great. Uh, tons and tons and tons of information. Uh, the heat treating stuff in the back is so great to be able to just have it next to the heat treat kiln and it, flip through. So Even if you ignore everything else in the book, which you shouldn't, but the heat treating information alone is worth the cost of the book. Yeah, and then he's like looked at it under a microscope and stuff to say, yeah, I know this one gets a little bit harder, but the toughness is so much better if you just temper it down a little bit more or whatever. Just that stuff is. When so I put it under the electron microscope, I found that the grain structure at the atomic level was vastly superior. Yeah, the car, the carbides, vanadium carbides. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, one of the other things that uh, I've I've become a huge fan of is this Odie's oil uh, universal. Uh, finish and polish. I've talked about it a few times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it from uh, Old Town Cutlery. Um, is great. it food? Is yeah. it food safe? It is. It says right here, Sweet. food safe, food safe, solvent free. Ah, so, I'm sold. Yeah, I I just saw it that said food safe. I had to look on Odie's Oil website to know it was food safe the first time I was using it. But <laughs> I used it. One of my buddies was uh, putting a butcher block countertop in his in his kitchen. So uh, we used a bunch of that on it, uh, oiled it down, looks real, real beautiful. So, and it does a a number on uh, Micarta and G10 and stuff, getting that like dry look off. They're getting the fibers to lay down and. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Also, one of my, one of my favorite things is one, two, three blocks. I use them all over the place. I use them on the drill press so I don't have to move my drill press table up and down when I use different height drill bits and stuff. Uh, I use them for squaring stuff. I use them for uh, clamping to things, uh, offsetting. I want to start doing some uh, wall style hidden tang handles. And I saw, I forget the which YouTube person I was looking at. I think Simple Little Life on YouTube. He was putting the blade on the one, two, three block, and then you can uh, use your height gauge and mark out all your lines on there. Just so many different applications. If, if a one, two, three block isn't big enough, I've got one, two, four, six block. Uh, So it's two, two, or I've got two of them actually, but I mainly use one, Uh, but it's two inches by four inches by six inches. And then I, I mainly use that on the, yeah, I mainly use that on the drill press. uh, So I don't have to move my table up and down as much when I'm drilling pin holes and, things like that yeah you've converted me on the one two three blocks yeah i love them um i still have a machinist square in the big pocket of my apron but i probably have five one two three blocks spread around the shop yeah they're they're so cheap now too and i saw some are titanium nitride coated so like that gold color so they're even a little or i haven't gotten any yet but i think that would like help show up a little bit better and they won't rust so you know, and, and speaking of, uh, all right, gold color made me think of uh, tweezers. Tweezers are also a phenomenal gift for uh, for people. Yeah, we should add that to the list. Tweezers. Yeah. 
Uh, I know my wife loves this brand called Tweezer Man. Uh, they had a Bed Bath & Beyond. Right, they were actually look, pretty good. You know what? We're going to edit that out, dude. You, you're killing me. Huh. You, need, you need to go to dogwoodcustomknives.com and get the Dogwood Custom Knives alum, or, uh, titanium alloy anodized tweezers. Well, I was talking about the ones for getting little metal slivers out. Tiny yeah, ones. Oh, I have, I've got everything from kitchen size to, uh, to oh. kitchen size. Kitchen size. To- <laughs> I was I was talking about tiny tweezers for oh, yeah. digging out splinters and stuff and sli- metal slivers, but uh, yeah, definitely That's check out Dogwood one. Custom Knives for the bacon turners and stuff. You know, and I uh, in all the colors they do, and I had forgotten about the tweezers because I might be a big giant baby, and my wife has to get the the metal splinters out of my hands. What? Um, <laughs> Actually, so really it comes down to um, the ones in my left hand she has to get out because I'm left-handed. Okay. And I don't know why. I can do damn near anything with my right hand except for some reason get uh, metal shavings out of my hand. Hmm. Yeah. My my wife has few joys in life, but digging out splinters and stuff is one of her great joys. So she always gets mad at me when I do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they never appreciate that sometimes you just need to take care of yourself. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not a reflection on them. It's just, you know, time and place kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so the next item we got on there is uh, files. So files of all different kinds. If if your knife maker uh, does any uh, bushcraft stuff, a checkering file is a good Ooh. one. Uh, that would that's so you can put the the jimping on the top spine uh really quick and easy uh i like the 20 lines per inch uh it's a uh, coarse enough that it feels like it gives you a little bit of grip you know what else you can do though for with if you need to do jimping hmm. you can properly design your handle so you don't need that crap <laughs> <laughs> or it just further enhances it yeah 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 I like it on over forward of the handle over the top of the spine for like your thumb. Uh, if you do any press cutting stuff like uh, that, if you really want to be fancy, um, I've got, uh, I got a little set of the small checkering files for like gun stocks to do the, the checking and the pattern patterns and handles. Yeah. Uh, so they're I, really small offset files. Yeah. I saw, um, uh, Kyle Royer doing a some checkering on a on a knife handle he was doing turned out super beautiful. Um, that guy's courses are amazing too. He's got a Black Friday sale, not affiliated with the podcast, um, but his takedown Bowie class and beginner and bladesmith and stuff are all significantly discounted. I'm not sure exactly how much, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I know if you buy his takedown Bowie one, I think there's like a secret Facebook. Uh, group that you get added to that you can actually that he a- answers questions and uh, I know Ben Seacrest told me he did a ton of like guys said I'm having trouble with this and he like made like a five or ten minute video uh, replying to it just so they could see what was going on there so uh, that stuff is worth its weight too yeah got it got to keep up on the information uh, speaking of information the knives 2022 book came out uh, that should be the Blade Magazine. Uh, they do a, a yearly thing of a bunch of knives and stuff in there. So 
uh, question guide? Right? No, it's uh, uh, I've got the 2021 one here, but it's just uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Just uh, it's got all sorts of custom knife makers and stuff in the back. Maybe one day, Alicia, hint hint. Maybe I can get my name in there. Ah, let's see if Dan's in here. Uh, do 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 all the way to E. Yeah, you're dragging this out just to embarrass me, aren't you? Oh, are you? Sh- you're probably in here. I actually, no. I, I legitimately don't know. I'm. Dilbert Ely, Frank Eaton. I don't say I don't see Eastland. Yeah, I didn't think I'd made that grade yet. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get in there someday. Yeah, not everybody has realized my awesomeness yet. I understand. It's a flaw. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that book, uh, that has like tons of, it's all broken down by like slip joints and kitchen knives and all sorts of stuff. So you can get some really good ideas and see some, uh, top notch knives. Uh, so that's always great reading back to the files for a second. Uh, if you buy your significant, uh, or favorite, uh, favorite knife maker files, uh, give them a pack of golf balls so they can drill a hole and put that golf ball on for a handle. Um, that is one of the best things that Todd Hunt ever showed me. And all of my files now get golf balls because they're so much easier to hold than the, the wooden handles. Or they can just, they can just use the, the metal hidden tang sticking out there and they can just be a man and they can use that thing until it has torn their palm up so badly that it is layers upon layers of scar tissue and it just doesn't bother them anymore. Yeah. And you can't feel anything. <laughs> No, no, I still have the one feeling. Gotcha. <laughs> one of the things that I just recently uh, came across is the Pika Dry uh, Graphite Pencil. Uh, it's a was the wood. It was a woodworking person that told me about it, but I use it around the shop all the time now. It's great for marking blocks of wood and stuff when you're cutting them apart and everything. But it's like a eighth inch diameter piece of graphite, and inside the plastic housing there's a sharpener so you can just flip it over and sharpen it get a really fine point and mark out stuff it's great i love it uh you get a two-pack on amazon i think they're like 10 bucks a piece so uh, check them out and the graphite you can get all sorts of different colors and stuff too red blue uh yellow so but i just go with the graphite can i get chartreuse probably i think there's yellow can i get a nice umbra no uh, one of the other things is, um, if you're a knife maker, you probably had this happen to you a bunch of times, leaving the cap off a Sharpie. Um, yeah, I've started the, that. the, uh, Milwaukee ink saw markers, uh, are great because apparently you can leave the cap off for like three or four days and they're still supposed to be able to write. I love them. They That's don't seem so to, cool. they seem to mark much better on uh shiny steel than the Sharpie does. They don't seem to wipe off quite as easily, but, the the ink still comes off with acetone really easily. So um, I've pretty much stopped buying Sharpie markers altogether uh, and I've been buying those Milwaukee inks all uh, for everything like other the, than the super fine point Sharpies. And they're like the, the oil and wax, like they mark on everything. Yeah. But if you start getting too oily and stuff, it, uh, it kind of clogs up the felt on the, the pin yeah. quickly. So um, but it works great for marking on woods and all sorts of stuff. Uh, the stabilized materials and stuff, it doesn't absorb the ink and stuff down. Um, that's so. cool. 
yeah, definitely check that out. Hot take. I love center punches. Dan doesn't. Uh, the automatic center punches are great. Uh, I have a brand or I use uh, one that's from Blue Point. It was significantly cheaper, and I'm pretty sure Starrett makes it for Blue Point. But uh, the Starrett center automatic center punches are really good. Then I also got this pole spring one. What's great about that is um, the center punch has like a really fine point on one end and like a more blunt tip on the other. So when I uh, I use a plexiglass template with my hole layout and line it up and then punch through the holes. Uh, and okay. then I come back with this uh, spring one and uh, it just makes that divot really wide so I can see it much better when I go to the drill press. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm still old school. I lay out the the measure center point and lay a vertical line and a horizontal line, and then you know I we talked about it. I'm I'm starting to understand why maybe it takes me a little longer to make my knives than other people, and perhaps I could be a little more efficient. I'm not yeah. saying you're right. I'm just saying there's there's potential there. Yeah. Um, drill bits are always a good one, any kind. Uh, did you ever try that one from Blade Show? Did you ever get those in? Um, there was like that one that said that it was uh, some cobalt alloy or something like that that was supposed to have a lifetime warranty. Um, I did not. Um, I did find a website called Drill Hog that I've gotten some really good bits for a really reasonable price. Okay. So drill bits, any kind, are great. Uh, a height gauge is something that any knife maker should have. I've got a Grizzly one that I used for many years. Uh, if you can, try to make sure it has a carbide uh, marker insert. Uh, so when they, like, scribe a line, uh, it'll mark on the steel. I luckily bought a Metatoyo one through the auction from work when they liquidated all their stuff. So now I have a really nice 12-inch uh, high gauge i've been so. using a grizzly one for 10 years now and you can buy replacement carbide um cutters mm -hmm. yeah i've had this one for 11 years and the nice thing about the grizzly i don't know it may be true of a bunch of other ones i just know the grizzly you can buy the little the little replacement cutters yeah what's great about the grizzly one is it's like under 50 bucks you aren't it's not a couple hundred dollars like the the fancier one I have now is. Yeah. Um, and it's way good for laying out edge lines and stuff like that. And for marking out lines on handles and stuff like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. A carbide scribe is always great for marking out your patterns. Uh, I know Dan uses it, uh, puts his pattern on the steel that's been dicumed, uh, and then you trace around it. I use the hell out of mine. Uh, and I used to just take a I used to just harden a piece of metal and sharpen it. And the carbide scribes, I get much cleaner lines and I'm not constantly putting a new point on them. Yeah. Uh, they're cheap enough. I buy, I usually add like two or three of them to most of my McMaster orders. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the ones with the magnet on the bottom. Um, on my workbench, I have a light that kind of hangs over a little bit and I just stick them up on the light. Uh, so they're always there to grab. See, I'm the other way around. I really don't like the magnets because I wind up with like a dandelion blossom of metal filings all around the top of it. And it yeah. just bugs me. 
That's why an air compressor. Well, a little puff of the air takes them all right off. Yeah, so that they're suspended in the atmosphere so I can just breathe that shit in and kill myself. Yeah, Kyle, that's a great idea. <laughs> Do it while you have your respirator on, man. Come on. Uh, but yeah, I always I always love those little carbide scribes. You can also buy the little tips for them also uh, and replace yeah. those too. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I got a five pack of those six years ago and I still have two or three left. They last a really, really, really long time. Um, one of the things that I have recently found out, uh, so hard candies, uh, <laughs> it's really nice to uh, have something to uh, that's sweet. Uh, these little lemon head. Uh, I always loved lemon heads when I was younger, um, but they they have like a jawbreaker size one that's like three quarters inch diameter, and you can buy it by a five pound bag uh, for anybody who wants to know. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're super good while you're wearing a respirator. Uh, I used to chew gum, but, uh, that would kind of give some gaps and stuff, but, uh, this, you don't have to move your jaw up and down and, uh, they last for, uh, a long time. If I, if I haven't had one in my mouth for a while, uh, I'm like, really probably tough. should, uh, uh, check to see what time it is. Cause they, they last me like probably 10 over 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know what it is about wearing a respirator that gives you cotton mouth, but it does. Yeah. My, yeah, my whole mouth gets dry. I'm uh, sorry. What? My whole mouth gets dry. Oh, okay. I, I heard something entirely different that you're probably going to edit out in post anyway. But <laughs> um, if you're a real man, you'll at least leave it into the, uh, the bloopers. Oh, I don't know what I, what you thought I said, but. We'll we'll check it out. Anyway, um, and then if you buy one of these, you will never buy a shot back ever again. The fine Turbo One dust collector uh is amazing. Um uh, it's spelled F-E-I-N. Uh Rockler has them for $289, and I think you can get like 10% off right now. They have a microfiltration bag everything that gets sucked go can go right into a bag. So it's not like uh, if you suck up some oil or oily chips or whatever, that bag contains it all. You just pick the bag up and throw it right in the thing. Um, it has, the bag has filtration. Then there's another external paper filter on top of it. So I hook it up to my random orbital sander and stuff when I'm uh, scuffing the G10 pieces. Mm. Um it just it captures all the dust it's great uh it sucks like infinitely more than a shop vac uh the attachments actually work the hose is actually like doesn't have memory in it so it doesn't like bling all over the place it's great it's i can't say enough stuff about it that's solid and it's like half as loud like the motor isn't nearly as loud as a shop vac that's awesome yeah everything about it's great um the turbo one has a dust collection uh port on it so you can plug your random orbital sander or whatever right into it and you can put it in auto mode so whenever you turn on the sander it turns on the dust collection that's Uh, pretty cool and then it runs for like five seconds after you turn off the tool and uh then shuts off so uh can't say enough stuff about it great 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 tool 
Sounds pretty cool. Um, then self promotion here: the sanding buddy, hand sanding sticks. Those are always great if you uh, uh, if you get some of those. There might be some uh, jawbreaker size lemon heads that come in the package. Just saying, they they are worth it just for that. <laughs> um, at the guild meeting, you know, one of the nice things about doing it in different shops is people can look around and. I've never been in a shop, somebody else's shop that I didn't learn something, some little thing that they did. And somebody noticed the sanding sticks that uh, you sent me. And we're asking, like, if they, you know, are they worth it? And, man, I cannot tell you. It was nearly physically painful for me to have to admit how useful those things are. Yeah, that rub- um, the rubber and how they're... Uh contoured and stuff they've they've made my hand sanding so much easier uh and i've always i still use a brass a quarter inch brass rod for sanding some of the radiuses um but because the way you've got them radius on one side flat on the other uh, i'll use the brass rod on a tight turn but most of them having that broader radius it's more efficient i'll get the the dwell marks out faster um and i've got one that's got no rubber on it, one that's got the hard, one that's got the soft, kind of all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. So as, as much as it pains me to tell you that you did a good job, you did, in fact, do a good job on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I told you it was going to be make your life so much easier. I, I grudgingly admit that you don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yep, check those out. And uh, the next up, we have handle materials. Any self-respecting knife maker is a uh, sucker for handle materials. We've got a list of some of our favorite handle yep. material people. There are no specific order. Uh, Beyond Woods Products is one of the ones I love. His Shockwood, uh, one of the resin cast people. Uh, Casting Kings is another great uh, resin cast person. He also... Um, cast a lot of other things in there one of the things that he made that i have yet to use that i just love is uh walnut shells in like a black i i saw dan made a couple of them out of it and then i had to buy a couple pieces so uh great stuff there uh jason c williams on instagram uh i've bought tons of handle material from him great guy um if you buy a ton of if you buy a bunch of blocks usually gives you a couple bonus ones from my experience so that's always uh always awesome to get something you weren't expecting. It's no lemon head, but it's nice. <laughs> it's no lemon head, yeah. Uh Shelton Pacific is another uh site that I've bought stuff from. Uh great customer service there too. Uh Nichols Impregnated Wood. They actually have a website now. Uh so you can order on really? their website. Yeah, they've got some blocks and stuff on there. So you can actually see some of the wood. You don't just like get a box of 10 pounds of wood and then ship back what you don't want uh i've always thought that was kind of weird but anyway um and then uh gl hansen and sons is another one that i've used and then dan uh mentioned to me uh valhalla i've never bought stuff from him dan said he's had good experiences from him so yeah i um i stumbled onto him a little while ago and i think i bought seven or eight pieces from him and I've used three so far, and the quality's been good. Uh, the color is nice and vibrant. They're good penetration. Uh, everything is cured out. I've been I've been pleased with them so far. Good. Um, 
and I actually I'm going to add a last second. If you really, really, really love your knife maker, if he has done something awesome, or maybe it is time for him to jump like two levels. Um, on Instagram, Johnny Blaze, um, his carbon fiber and his, I think it's pronounced Dicam. Diocrylam, I think. Yeah, Diocrylam. Look, I'm, I'm freaking dyslexic. All right. <laughs> Look, I, it's Johnny Blaze on Instagram. Yeah. His stuff, I mean, it's, it's pricey, but it is absolutely freaking stunning. Yeah, I'm glad um, to see him. Like, it looks like he started to ramp up production. I know he got hit with some, like, bills and stuff and had to close down for a little while for a, but uh, well, I think he seems to be back. Well, he had to, he had to move his shop. His lease came out and they didn't renew it. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. And some of the equipment that he uses, it was like the moving cost on just the piece of equipment was six or eight grand. Wow. Um, just he does some very specialized stuff. So yeah, it, it cost him out the nose to reset his shop plus all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm learning about that. It, the, my my small shop it's taken me forever to and i don't have nearly as specialized equipment um one of the things i use all the time is a space pin uh the bullet pin is one of the ones i carried in my pocket that was the one that uh, originally was developed for nasa went to the moon um i use the ink refills and everything so uh the pressurized ink refills are great uh murph blue is best uh he he's adamant that black is best i love the blue ink because it stands contrast for when i'm writing and taking notes on printer paper and stuff so uh, us military guys the only person that was allowed to have blue ink was the post commander okay everybody else had to have black ink it, it was a no shit regulation whenever you went to supply your only options were black if you had a blue ink pen, you would get your backside ripped. So some of that may be carryover. Well, blue's best, Murph. I'll, I'll, go, <laughs> I'll, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> uh, and then uh, one of the last ones that Dan and I thought of, uh, that was the last second edition, is a porta band uh, with a swag table. The company's name is Swag. It's some off-roader company. Uh, they yeah. make tons of like Jeep off-road armor plates and everything um but they make this table for pretty much every porta band it looks like harbor freight makes a porta band for like 99 dollars now yep it's hard to beat that um especially since they're like pretty simple and hard to uh hard to mess up and i know some knife makers have been using them for for years and have had haven't had a problem but that table having it upright being able to like slow the speed down and stuff um versus a wooden bandsaw just makes cutting through stainless and things like that so much easier and there's some patterns out there you can make your own table but i've got to be honest i think the swag tables are what 100 bucks less than that yeah i'm not sure um for the time that it takes for it to come out perfectly square perfectly flat and fit i honestly certainly every major when I bought mine, it was like two pages was the list of all the different uh, portable bandsaws that it would fit. The, the, the time to money ratio, it's unless you just want to be able to say, 
I built the table. These things are absolutely worth the money. Yeah. I know when I bought mine, uh, it was like a $15 upgrade to get it like plated. Um, so it won't rust. I think there's like a zinc uh, plating on the bottom and the top was like powder coated or something that like not having the rust is great too. So definitely check those out. Uh, if you're getting a porta band, they're going to need some belts uh, or some blades. Uh, my favorite are the Linux bimetal saw blades. They're great. They cut for a really long time. Uh, I like the variable pitch ones. I think I use like a 14, 16 variable pitch blade but um the rule of thumb is for whenever you're cutting with a bandsaw you always want to have two two to three teeth uh engaged with your steel at any time so uh size accordingly for your teeth per inch um <laughs> uh, yeah anything else you can think of that's it this should be a fun um, fun yeah, one to i have. feel like this was a uh i think this was an information packed uh, noteworthy episode. Yeah. It'll be uh fun putting all the links in for all the knife maker or gift stuff. So, yeah. Um, sure. Glad I'm not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can keep in touch with the podcast at knifeperspective.com. Uh, you can also, uh, get those stickers. Like I was talking about, help support the podcast. Some, you can also make a donation to the podcast too. I've had, uh, some, uh, people do that. Uh, you may or may not get your name read if you uh, help so, support. They weren't just people. They were really awesome people. Yeah, really awesome people. Um, you can keep in touch with the Knife Perspective on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find the podcast pretty much everywhere. If there's some place we're not that you want to hear us, let us know and we'll get it on there. Uh, you can keep in touch with Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives at dogwoodcustomknives.com, and he's Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. And you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Knives, uh, cagedailyknives.com, Cage Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, and starting to do a little more with the TikTok stuff. One of my videos went viral, uh, it seems. Uh, got like almost 10,000 views and got probably like two or 300 people that are now following me, which is crazy. So, is it the Dancing Bear one? No, it's just me taking uh, some steel out of the heat treat furnace. No. So and putting it in uh uh the aluminum plates uh i put is acdc or no i used uh so i like nickelback i know a lot of people don't but they made a sea shanty great there goes uh there's ha- there's half our listeners we are down like three listeners now kyle thanks a lot they did a sea shanty to I want to be a rock star with a some sea shanty band, and mm. it is awesome uh, to hear like a sea shanty with hang out and all with all the in all the coolest bars and stuff like that. It's pretty funny, so definitely check it out. It's a good, it's a good laugh at least. I'll uh, I'll investigate. I'm all about <laughs> shaving his belly with a rusty razor and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, you got anything else? Um, I feel that that is a sufficiency. All righty. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening and say good night, Dan. Good night, Dan. Well, let's take it to the edge. Cause that's what's expected in this discussion. 
This is the night prospective.